Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church. I hope you enjoy this week's message. But to wait, everybody say wait, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. So Jesus actually told them about the coming of the Spirit. He told them the Holy Spirit was coming. So Jesus, Jesus was crucified. He rose from the grave. And then he spent 40 days, a period of 40 days, with the disciples, right? Kind of appearing in and out with them, uh, showing himself to, by many different proofs to them that he actually was alive. And then he ascended to the Father. Well, where were the disciples during this time? Well, they were not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them, who he's called the promise of the Father. And so they were, after Jesus ascended, it was a, probably about a 10-day period because from Passover to Pentecost was about 50 days. So Jesus was with them 40 days, then he ascended to the Father. And so there was this 10-day period where the apostles were there in the upper room together. And what were they doing? They were devoting themselves to prayer. They were devoting themselves to prayer as they waited for God to fulfill promises. And I think this is where many of us find ourselves at in life. I do. Everyone in this room does. We find ourselves waiting for the fulfillment of one of God's promises, at least one, right? God, you said this. You promised me this. And so I'm waiting for the fulfillment of this. Maybe you're waiting for direction. Maybe you're waiting for some empowerment. Maybe you're waiting for him to help you through whatever it is. Whatever it is, you're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. So what's our position then? Well, so he told, he told the disciples that, that they weren't to, to leave Jerusalem. So that was kind of, that was their place. That was their place, or what I said in the, the video was the perimeter. Um, it was their perimeter. There we go. And the, we get that word the reason I said perimeter is because in the original Greek language, there's a prefix on the word wait before the word wait, which is where we get our English word perimeter. And so he established a perimeter for them for waiting. He established a perimeter for them. So you're not, in other words, they weren't just to wait any way that they wanted to, right? And I think this is probably where we, where we get it wrong sometimes, I do, because I'm waiting for the promise, and I just want like, man, I just want it to like want the promise of God to just fall out of the sky like some sort of like a helicopter, like he's carrying it. Here you go, Jeremy. You know, like I just like, I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just waiting like that. But no, he, God like set a perimeter. Jesus set a perimeter for them. Don't leave Jerusalem. And in the midst of that perimeter, they were, they were, de they were devoting themselves to prayer. And so I, what I want to encourage you to do at the beginning of this fast, and maybe you came and you didn't even know we were fasting today. You didn't know we did this corporately as a church. And by the way, I want to encourage you that it's not an if you fast, but it's a how you fast. Um, in the previous years, Melvina said I was a little bit easy on you guys. I said, don't take, it so, don't take it so easy. And what she meant was just, because I didn't want to, like, I can't force you to fast, obviously. I don't want to mandate or force you because this is between you and God, but I think all of us can do something, right? There is, there's perhaps a meal you can miss or there's a favorite food that you can stop eating. Something, there's something you can do, but to, to literally get the, uh, the gist of what a fast means, which is to abstain from food, to cover your mouth literally is what that means, all of us can do something. And, and I believe God will reward you for it. Because it's between you and him. And so all you do is you just you come to the Lord. Or if you're fasting together with your spouse or some, some other people, some friends or whoever it may be, um, what, are we, what are you fasting from? You know, this is a community thing. 
Um, usually our fast starts off with a Daniel fast, as I mentioned in the video, uh, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, um, that sort of thing. But then sometimes it'll intensify. Uh, last year during the fast, it seemed like the enemy came strong. Don't be surprised if you start fasting that hell just breaks forth in your life. <laughs> There's battles that you never even thought were going to come. Come, right? Last year, that's what happened. Like before I started the fast, there was my dad had a heart attack. And then during the fast, something happened. It was just like, what? What? You know, and so like all these things tend to weigh on us, but what, what the enemy would want us to do is to get focused on all those things and get distracted and then to give up on our fast. And he's like, oh yeah, if I can get you focused on all that stuff rather than on the fast and on, rather than on Jesus, then I got him, right? But so don't, don't, be, don't be surprised whenever there's a battle that you didn't experience during the fast, but set your perimeter. What are you fasting for? What are you fasting from? What are you fasting for? If you need some help, some further clarity on what fasting is, we have some resources on the website on awakenthehighlands.com um, uh, and, and under Fasting 2024. And there's some very good resources. People a lot smarter than I wrote these resources to help us because this isn't something that just we do. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people doing this fast, churches doing this fast at the beginning of the year. It's became such, so wide known in one of the cities of, of one of the churches that I, that I follow regularly that their church does a corporate fast that uh, even the, the Chick-fil-A in the city gets like just chicken broth ready for their, for their people who are doing the fast because some of them do only liquid fasts. <laughs> so the whole community knows, hey, this church fasts 21 days and we want to support them and help them. You know, so this is... Um, this is something that's very important. I remember the first year that I, that I tried a corporate fast with a church that I pastored. Uh, there was somebody that came up to me and said, well, this is just between you and God. Why would you do a corporate fast? I just read your Bible. That's what I want you to do. Read your Bible. Corporate fasts are part of the people of God throughout Scripture. This is what people do. Leaders call it a corporate fast. And so I'm going to lay some more groundwork, but, but establish the perimeter for your fast. What are you fasting for? Um, if you don't have it yet, it's okay. God can give it to you today, tomorrow. Just start off with your fast. Start off maybe, you know, today you, you start off with the Daniel fast. You just eat some beans for lunch. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> I can give you some more pointers. You know, if you talk to me, I can give you some things that we eat. And, and you know, that because you never wanted, the first year we fast, we focused on the food. Right, And so Melvina was like looking at the Daniel Fast cookbook, and she's like, oh, my goodness, look at all these things we can make. And so and there's other people in the church also were like, oh, look at all these Daniel Fast cookbooks. And so they were like, like Betty Crocker in the, cook, in the kitchen focusing on making all this elaborate Daniel Fast food. And in the meantime, they're like, wait, this isn't really what it's about. <laughs> so anyways, um, I'd be glad to talk to you more about it. But there's also what I wanted to call your attention to is there, there is a position of our fast. There's a position. There's a perimeter. There's also a position. This comes out of Romans eight nineteen. For the creation waits, everybody say waits, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And this, this, this scripture is talking about how we are waiting. We are longing for the day when Jesus comes back. And he reveals, he takes, and he receives us into his kingdom, right? Whenever he comes back and, and we receive glorified bodies, we're longing for the day when he returns and we receive our promise. Amen? And this is something, the word there, the creation waits, everybody say wait. wait. 
the wait there with eager, eager expectation is a waiting. It's like, an, um, what did I say in the video? It's a strained expectancy. It's like the runner running a race with their neck stuck out. Like you're willing to stick your neck out once again, even though you stuck your neck out before. Maybe you didn't see it. See, maybe you didn't win the race. Maybe you didn't see your promise fulfilled. But I'm willing to stick my neck out one, once again. Because check it out. Most of the time, most of the time, we live a fairly easy Christian life. Putting forth very little effort. Like we're just, you know, maybe, maybe it's like, hey, I want to come to church and just get fed and then go out and live my life, whatever. But like there's actually this race that the writer of Hebrews would say, let us run with race, run this race with patience or endurance, right? There's this race that we run. And it actually takes some effort, it actually takes some effort and it takes some discipline. I'm going to talk about three disciplines in, in particular. But it takes some discipline in this race. And so fasting is one of those disciplines that we are to have. And, but, but it's with this position in mind that we are, we are like, we are sticking our neck out with strained expectancy. Like, I know Joe's running beside me, and, but I want to stick my neck out because I'm going to, I'm going to win this thing. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, he, we're running together, we're running this race, but I'm sticking my neck out again because I want to be the one to cross the finish line. I have to cross the finish line. Amen? I want to cross the finish line, and I'm going to run. And, and, and it's not that I want to get there before Joe, or there's not any competition or anything like that, but it's just like this, this man, I want to stick my neck out because this race is worth it. He is worthy, and I want to stick my neck out once again because I'm expecting to win. Are you, are you expecting to win? Yeah. So this is our position. We are, we, are, we, are, we are running expecting to win, but understanding that we have a responsibility in the expectation and stick, sticking our neck out. Right? Okay, good point, Jeremy. Um, the next thing, so, so there's perimeter, there is a position. Um, there's also power. I want to I I just call this to your attention. There's power. And this is from Ecclesiastes 4.12. I mentioned this last week, last year, whenever we did the fast. But Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord. And I heard one pastor say uh, quite a few years ago that the threefold cord for Christians is, is prayer, fasting, and giving. Prayer, fasting, and giving. Or as it's illustrated in Matthew 6, giving, praying, and fasting. Giving, praying, and fasting. This is our threefold cord. And so oftentimes we're, we're missing power in our life to withstand because maybe we're praying, and prayer is awesome. We're a house of prayer, but we're not giving faithfully and fasting. Maybe we're, maybe we're great at fasting, but we just don't really pray and give. Maybe we're awesome givers, but we just don't pray and fast. And so I just want to submit to you that, that this threefold cord is very important. And this is what gives us power in our, in our Christian life as a discipline, as a disciple, right? This threefold, this threefold cord. Everybody shake your head if you get this. You understand what I'm saying? This threefold cord of fasting, giving, and praying. Now, I, I understand that these things don't come easy, Be, and that's because they're disciplines, right? You have to go from discipline 
Or sometimes you go, as, as one preacher said, from duty to discipline to delight. You're going to get to the delight part. But the first couple of days of fasting, you're not going to like it, bro. <laughs> you're not going to like it. But you're going to hit a sweet spot at some point where you really start enjoying the fast. So just understand this, if you, especially if you're going without, if you're going on like a water fast, like the first, the first even three to four days, you're going to, you may have a really bad headache, but you're going to hit a sweet spot. You go from duty to delight or duty to discipline to delight. You just know, Jesus, you say that I should do this, so I'm going to do it even if I don't feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to grow to like it. You understand what I mean? Sometimes it's not every, every day when I wake up, I just can't wait to, to go to a place of prayer. It's a discipline. I just know that I need to, right? It's like, it's like what, if, what if it became as natural to us as eating? Like, man, I feel hungry, so what am I going to do? I'm going to eat. <laughs> or sometimes you're like, how many of you ever look at the clock and you're like, huh, it's 5 o'clock. I don't really feel hungry, but I guess I probably should eat something. <laughs> like it just, it just kind of hits dinner time sometimes, and you're like, well, I guess I better, better eat. So, so I think we just have to, we have to begin thinking about these disciplines as, as things that we, we know that we have to do, and even if we don't like them at first, we're going to grow to like them, and they're going to become such a part of our life that our families are going to be marked by them, and our life is going to be marked by them. Um. Before we came to plant a church, there's no way we would ever come to plant a church without praying and fasting. No way we'd plant a church. These were disciplines already in our life, but we knew that we had to. This was something we wanted to be really clear on. Right? And so where did we know to run? We, we, sought, we sought outside um, counsel, but we knew we also had to get to the place where we had to hear from God. So if you're longing, if you're like I was talking to someone, I was texting someone the other yesterday, last night, really late. And they were, they were, I said, well, they were going through something really, really, really bad, really, really hard. And I said, well, have you asked God about it? And they said, yes. But supposedly there hasn't been any answer. And so I just want to encourage you, keep seeking. And this is one way where if you're looking for an answer for something, pray and fast. Pray and fast. Amen. All right, so, so this is, this is uh, some teaching today. Not so much preaching, but some teaching today, but I think it's going to be good for you. If not, it'll be for the person next to you. All right. All right, so, so Matthew, I just want to show you, this is what Jesus said. This is how Jesus illustrated the threefold cord. All right? So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2. Thus, when you give, let me say that again. Thus, when you give. He didn't say if you give, right? He said When? Everybody say when. All right. He said, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. All right. Verse 5. And if you pray, no, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. All right, then verse 16, and if you fast, no, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. All right, so, so Jesus illustrated at least these three disciplines in Matthew chapter 6. Giving, praying, 
and fasting, right? Is that clear? We can see that. It wasn't an if, but it's a when. It's not an if, it's a when. It's a when. Now, I want to talk to you just a moment about the principle of first. Everybody say that with me. Principle of first. So we had, there's all kinds of, there's, there's peace for you to remember for today, if you're taking notes for today's sermon. But so there is the perimeter of the fast. There was the position of the fast. There was the power of the threefold cord. And now here's the principle of first. This is a principle in the Bible. A principle. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. First is the first song that we started off with today. Remember? We're giving you first place where, that you may have preeminence. Right? We're giving you first. This is what Jesus does. And, and, and this is instead of worrying about everything that the world worries about or everyone else around you worries about, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Is that clear? I mean, most of us are familiar with this, but, but I think we just have to keep stirring ourselves up with this and remembering this is who we seek first. And this beginning of the year, first Sunday of 2024, you may not have even thought you would ever be together with Awakened Church in 2024. I mean, who would have thought that we would have, everybody would be together in this room today, right? But we, here we are seeking him first. You've done something to seek him first this beginning of the new year, and you should be commended on it. You are in church the first Sunday of the year. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so what you're doing is you're setting a trend for the rest of the year, right? You're setting a trend. So we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I want to, so, so there's the principle of the first, and I just want to take you very quickly through, um, through a few things uh, in the Bible. And, um, there, um, and the first one, and it's regarding the principle of the first, the principle of the first. Does anyone see my backpack around here, by the way? Maybe I took it into my office. It's back there. Okay. Can you bring it up to me? Thank you very much. How about a hand for our lovely assistant, Jeff? <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. So the principle of the first involves at least a few different firsts. I'm just going to try to really confuse you. The principle of the first involves at least a few different firsts. And the first principle of the first <laughs> is the principle of the firstborn. The principle of the firstborn. And that's found in Exodus chapter 13 in verse 2. So if you have Bibles, if you have it on your phone, go ahead and turn there. Exodus chapter 13, verse 2. Exodus 13, verse 2. Exodus chapter 13, verse 2 says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. So God wanted, he demanded the firstborn. This is the principle of the firstborn. Now, skip over to verses 12 and 13. 
All right, the principle of the firstborn. Verses 12, this is Exodus 13, verse 12 and 13. You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. All right? So the principle of the firstborn was this. It's set apart to the Lord. It's consecrated. It's, there were two options, sacrificed or redeemed. Sacrificed or redeemed. The clean animal would be sacrificed. If it was unclean, it would be redeemed with a clean animal, in particular, a lamb. Right? So the principle of the firstborn belongs to the Lord. Set it apart, consecrated. Holy, the word holy means set apart, consecrated to me. This is what God, God ordained for his people right when they came out of Egypt. Right? Consecrate to me the firstborn. Born. Think of it like this. John 129. Whenever John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He was the clean sacrifice. Metaphorically speaking, he was the clean lamb given to redeem all of us who are unclean. Right? And Jesus is called in the scripture many different places the first born. Okay? He is the firstborn among the brethren. He is the beloved son or the only begotten son of the father. He is the firstborn. So it's the principle of the firstborn that is illustrated in scripture. Um, you can think of it this way. Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was set apart as the firstborn. He was given to God in faith, listen, before any of us were saved in the natural, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? But he was given in faith that we would actually come to faith and, and repentance. But before any of us came to faith, God gave his son for us, Right? Same thing is whenever the firstborn, listen, when the firstborn lamb was sacrificed, God just said to do it, right? But it was the people who had to have faith that God would provide actually more lambs. This, this was an agricultural society, and whenever God said, every firstborn is mine, they had to have faith that God would provide another lamb, right? They had to have faith that God would provide if they would just do what God had called them to do. You give me the first, you can have all the rest, right? You give me the first, but see, the, the problem is, is that they couldn't see the rest. All they had was the first. So that establishes a principle in our mind that we give God the first and we trust him with the rest, right? We give him the first before we can see the rest, but I'm just going to honor you. I'm going to give you the first before I can see the rest. Think about Abraham, right? He sacrificed Isaac, or he was called to sacrifice Isaac. All he had was a promise that he would become a father of many nations, but he didn't have any other sons before there was Isaac. But he was promised. But he had to give Isaac 
before he could see the multitude or the many, right? And it's all over scripture. If you think about um, Jericho, the city of Jericho, it was, it was the first city that God called, that, that the people took in the promised land whenever they were going to, 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 to take over the promised land and to inherit what God had given them. It was the first city. What did God say? Give it all to me. Devote it all to destruction. All the, all the silver and the gold, everything bring to my house. Devote the rest to, to destruction. It was his. It was the first. Give it to me. But there was a man in the midst. His name was Achan. And he decided to take some of the, the treasure from Jericho for himself. And because of that, he brought a whole curse on the whole nation, and they lost the next battle. There's a principle of first. It's a principle. It's a principle of first. Now, that's, that's the principle, and I went a, went a little into other things there, but um, that's the principle of the firstborn. Everybody say that, principle of the firstborn. Say it, principle of the firstborn. All right, next thing is the principle of the first fruits. Principle of the first fruits. And that's, let's go to Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. Exodus 23, 19. Exodus 23, 19. The Lord says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. All right? The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, Obviously, this was an agrarian society. It was an agricultural society. And so this was the produce from their field that they would bring in, right? Today, we're talking about our money, right? And I know as soon as, as, soon as a preacher starts mentioning money, there's all kinds of like, whoa, bro. <laughs> you, just, you just came up against a boundary or you came up against a... But this is, this is for us. This is for us. We don't get to give, or we don't, we don't give to get, but we get to give. Understand me? We don't give to get, but we get to give. I'll say it another way. We don't give to get, but we get to give. <laughs> this, is, this, is our, um, this is our joy. It's, it's, it's something that God set up for us, not against us. <laughs> this is something he set up for us as a people. And I will just say, as a family, we haven't always done this right. Even early on in ministry, we did not always do this right. We did not always give to God what was his. We did not always give the first fruits to him. But we have been faithful. After there was a course correction, um, when we started budgeting, this was, oh my goodness, we're going to go way back in the old days, back to like 2014. <laughs> back in the day, my cousin gifted us a, um, a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, um, uh, like, um, 
class. It was this whole box set, and I was going to begin teaching financial stewardship for, uh, for a university. And he thought, well, if you're going to begin teaching financial stewardship, you should probably learn a little bit about financial stewardship, Jeremy. <laughs> and he had, been, he had been taking these classes, and he was a coach for years. And so he gave me this, he gave me this, um, this, this, this Dave Ramsey set. And the only reason I make, make mention of it is because on the budget, Dave, Dave teaches you to make a budget. And right at the top of the budget is a place for tithe. Right at the top is tithe. Right at the top is your tithe. Not at the bottom. Not if you see if everything else can be paid for or not. But right at the top is your tithe. And what this, what this does is it invokes faith then, right? It invokes faith because if I take it off the top, what if I get down to the bottom and I don't have enough? Well, I trust God for it. And that's something that, that you and I both have to answer. Like, will I trust God for the rest? Now, a lot of people will be, and I've heard a lot of different, a lot of different things about this, but I want to read a few more scriptures here, and then we'll, then we'll go into some things. Proverbs chapter 3. This is going to help us. This is going to help us. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19, or verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with the first. Then you'll have plenty. Do you see that? Honor the Lord with the first and then you'll have plenty. Now I'll tell you where we are on this journey. And I've been talking to Melvina about it. We, we've, we, we've been tithing faithfully what we want to get to is the offering portion more faithfully. Tithing is first, bringing, bringing to God what's his. And, and let's go over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3, and we'll start with verse 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Let's go down to verse 8. He says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and offerings or contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Um, one preacher says it like this. He says, he says usually from, from non-tithers, I hear, this, I hear this all the time, I don't have enough. And from tithers, he hears, I have what I need. <laughs> or even the vast supply. Now, one, one 
uh, argument against this, against tithing, is that uh, people have said, well, Jeremy, it's not in the New Testament, this tithing. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you actually where it is. But just here in, in, the, in verse 6 of Malachi 3, he says, I'm the Lord and I don't change. I don't change. You know, we're not bringing our produce in like they were. But what we do bring in is our tithes faithfully and our offering. Why? So there may be food in your house, in his house, a vast supply. And if you will give to God first, then what does he promise? Then, then what's, what's the word? Um, if you put him to the test like this, if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessings until there's no more need. Now, we don't give to get. This is not our motivation. I don't give to get. I don't give to get. You don't, get your t- you don't give your tithe to get. You know why? Because the tithe doesn't belong to you anyway. It's God's. You're just returning to him what, what already belongs to him. That's what it says, right? Like the, that belongs to him. The firstborn belonged to him. And so whenever they returned the firstborn, they were, they were just returning. You, it belongs to you? Okay, it's yours. <laughs> when I return my tithe to him, I'm just giving him what belongs to him. The offerings are over and above that. What I want to give him, the offerings. But the tithe, he says, just bring it to you. Bring it to me. Give it to me. Now, so he doesn't change. And so if he doesn't change, then that means that the tithe is still in operation today. Um, People will say, well, that was under the law, Jeremy, but I'm under grace. I want to tell you that the tithe didn't even originate with the law. It originated before the law with Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. When Abraham brought, whenever he saw, whenever he met Melchizedek, he gave him a tenth of what he had. Why? Because it's a principle of first. It's a principle of first. I'm gonna give you, a, I'm gonna give you the tenth of my income. I'm gonna give you a tenth, at least a tenth of what I have. I'm gonna trust you with the rest. Isn't God such an awesome God that he says, just give me the first. You can keep the 90, man. Isn't he so awesome like that? Right? Just give me what belongs to me. That 90% is yours. And don't get me wrong, he wants you to steward it faithfully. He says, just give me what belongs to me. Because that's already set apart for him. So when I give my tithe, I'm not giving an offering, I'm just giving it back to him. That's not an offering, that's a tithe, it belongs to him. So if I don't give it, I'm robbing him. I'm taking what's already his. Is that clear? That's too strong? It's the Bible, right? So I want us to, I want us to, learn, I want us to learn what this says. Now, check it out. Um, a few more places. Um, let's go Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. And I'm going to land this plane. Matthew 23, 23. When you dare say amen. Matthew 23, 23. This is in red letters, so this is Jesus. 
He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And so Jesus here, he's not saying, don't bring the tithe anymore, Pharisees, right? He didn't tell them that. He just said, you do both of these things. You do one and you don't neglect the other. He didn't tell them don't tithe. You see that? He didn't say, he didn't say the tithe finished whenever I came here to earth establishing grace. No, he said, you ought to have done these. You ought to have done these tithing measures, but don't neglect the, the others, the love and the justice and the mercy. Jesus even said something. I think you'll find this very interesting. He said, over and over again, he would say, unless your righteousness exceed the scribes and Pharisees, right? You won't see the kingdom of heaven or you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. This is, we have to have a righteousness that exceeds them. And so what he's doing is he's not doing away with what the Pharisees did, but he said, your righteousness must exceed theirs. In other words, like whenever the, the Old Testament, the law would say, don't murder, what did he say? Don't hate your brother. Don't be angry with your brother, right? Whenever the law would say, don't lust, or don't, uh, don't commit adultery, Jesus would say, don't lust. You, you, or if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery, right? So the righteousness exceeded the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus wasn't doing away with it. He was just, he was encouraging them. Your, your righteousness must exceed theirs. Last scripture, last scripture, Matthew 6, verse 24, back there. Matthew 6, verse 24. This is an important one. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and money or mammon. Um, historically, mammon was a Babylonian god of wealth. Historically, mammon was a Babylonian god of wealth. Um, mammon uh, focused on greed. Uh, mammon, mammon focused on selfishness. Um, mam, mammon was not the real God. Mammon was just was a counterfeit, lowercase g, God of Babylonian culture. Jesus, Jesus was saying here, you can't serve God and mammon. So it appeared then that, that we have a choice to make, Right? But we have a choice to make. Do we serve God or do we ser serve mammon? So money, your money, your possessions will either have the spirit of mammon or the spirit of God upon it. In other words, you will either be cursed according to Malachi. I'm serious. This is what he says. Your finances will be cursed or they will be blessed. 
You'll either live under the spirit of God or under the spirit of mammon. And so we have this choice to make. Who, who is it that we're serving? Now, if you want to hit the pad there, Jeff, uh, please. Either we're, we're serving one or the other. Now, if I check this out, because I've wrestled with this in my own mind. Lord, if I only made more money, then I would tithe. And the Lord would say, if you don't do it with a little, you're not going to do it with a lot. Because it'll actually be harder with a lot than with a little. Because your tithe increases the more money you make, right? (laughs) Now, the Lord knows all of our hearts here today. And what he wants to do is this. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your finances. He wants to bless your possessions. He is, he is a giver, right? But he knows this, is that in our heart, this is the most important thing to him. This is why the first belongs to him. Because if you can set him apart as first with something tangible like your finances, then you're not going to be so prone to worry about it all. And that's the beautiful thing about tithing. It's the heart of it. Because he saw, he knew his people well enough that if they would give the firstborn of their, their, their flock, then they would, they would draw near in trusting him because after all, it's him that we trust, isn't it? It's not, it's not in our job. It's not, I don't trust the increase of my job. I don't trust in the increase of my job. I don't trust in the increase of anything else except for God because God is the one who solves problems. It's not money. God is the one who solves your impossibilities. It's not money. And so whenever you set aside that tenth, even a tenth portion, you're setting yourself up, man, and you're setting your family up, man. I'm gonna trust you, God. I'm gonna trust you with it. God loves a cheerful giver, right? That's also scripture. Not reluctantly. He doesn't want us to give reluctantly. But I will say this. Not all the time will it be as a delight. It may have to start out as a discipline. But when you think about the God of heaven who gave his only son for you, and you start embracing principles of first, it's just a no-brainer. I'm gonna give it to you off the top. I'm not gonna give you leftovers because he's not gonna receive leftovers. I'm gonna return to you what's already yours. Because listen, Joe, he's trusted you to give it to you, even though it's his, right? He's trusted you to give it to him. He's trusting me to give it to him. And so there's not a one. <laughs> all of us would like to be in a better position, probably financially. Yeah? <laughs> like all of us would. But God's not saying, give and you'll get. He's like, man, no, you get to give. You set me up as first place. And I'm not going to have you worrying about all this stuff that everybody else does. Just seek me first in the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to me. Just give me what belongs to me. Give offerings as I lead you. Just, but just let me bless you in this way. Because I'm, 
He just wants you to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You say, well, I don't understand it. Why does money even matter to him? Lean not on your own understanding. Because obviously Jesus said there's a connection. Either you serve God or you serve mammon. So there's a difference here, right? There's a difference among the people of God and the people of the world. The people of the world serve the spirit of mammon. The people of God serve God. So in other words, my money doesn't tell me what to do. I tell my money what to do. My possessions don't have me. I have possessions. Right? I was really convicted. I'll tell you this. I was having dinner with someone. And, you know, we've been given many vehicles. And kind of, probably, like, in retrospect, even now, like, I think maybe some some preachers, some teachers are kind of, we go get kind of braggadocious about things. Like I've been given all of this. I've been, you know, God's, I have all this. But we've been given many, many vehicles. I was having dinner with someone and I told them that I've been given like multiple vehicles. You know what they said to me? How many have you given away? working on it, right? How many of you given away? Because he's always going to, he's going to bless us to be a blessing. Now, you can read about it in your Bible, but when Hezekiah, King Hezekiah found the, found the word and he found out about tithing and how his people weren't doing it, they kept, he, he called the people to keep bringing, to bring their tithes and to bring their offerings and they kept bringing and they kept bringing and they kept bringing and they kept bringing and they were like offerings were just set up in heaps. And, and the king, the king asked, the, asked those in charge, like, hey, what's going on here? Why is there so much heaps? There's like heaps of stuff here. There's heaps of offering. What's going on? And, the, and, 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 they, and they just said, listen, the people have had plenty. They're not going without because of all the heaps that they're bringing. They have plenty, but they just keep bringing. See, I pray that God would give us a heart to give. I pray that God would give us a heart to give rather than just looking out for getting. Right? There's some really amazing people in this community that are givers and could probably preach this sermon better than me. But if you start hanging out with generous people, generous, right? It's your influences. You start hanging out with generous people, you're going to become generous. You start hanging out with faithful tithers, you're going to see something in their life like, what? Like, you don't worry about stuff. It seems like I'm just worrying about my finances all the time. You don't worry about it. taking up a big offering, don't worry. <laughs> but just, why don't you just, just between you and God, why don't you just commit to him whatever he's, whatever he's put on your heart today. The message has been on first things, putting him first. 
it's easy to say it in worship, but when we get specific about something like your money, then it's like, whoa. Why don't you just, why don't you just tell them, if it's in your heart to do it, just tell them, I want to honor you in my finances, Lord. Would you help me to begin to tithe? Would you help me to begin to return it to you? And if you have trouble seeing it from the word like I've taught you today, please see me. Don't leave here thinking that I'm a false teacher or any other thing that the enemy would like to put in your heart. I would love to sit down with you and show it to you. If you have any questions, let's go through it. But God, God wants this for us. It's for you. It's for your heart. He's going to give you joy. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you all these things will be added. It's for you. Yeah. So, Lord, we commit these things to you. We commit them to you. We commit them to you. I give you my first. Not my last. I give you my first. Lord, for me personally, I pray that you would help. Help me give the offerings that you want me to give. Some have come easier. Some have come harder. Lord, I pray that that this wouldn't just be like a passing thing, but that this would really begin to take root in people's life, this, this principle of first and the principle of tithing. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure you like and share the podcast. And if you're ever in the Highlands County area, uh, make sure you stop by and visit us. Uh, we're located at 1121 uh, Memorial Drive in Avon Park, Florida. Uh, we'd love to meet you here.